One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When, how many times have you been over before? Like, I think this is my four time. Is it? Four time. I think so. Four. I'm going to go with four. Could be five. We don't know. <laughs> Not many. <laughs> do you see, uh, do you think there's like a similarity between Scottish people and Irish people? Yeah. The sense of humor is exactly the same. Okay, the cool. accent is quite hard to understand. <laughs> I'm still learning. I'm still learning to deal with it. But uh, yeah, it's it's very similar. Like even Glasgow is quite, quite similar to Dublin. Um, it's just Like bigger. city-wise? Yeah, it's just bigger. Uh, Dublin's kind of very like central, like everything's within walking distance and kind of everywhere here is really spread out. So you have to drive or get a taxi or whatever. So it's just bigger, but it's kind of the same. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you know, we're kind of talking there about similarities between Scottish people and Irish people. Mm-hmm. What sort of qualities do you think you need in a collaborator when you're working on music with someone? I think personality is a big thing, isn't it? I think you have to have a click with someone to make good music. Um, Because if you go into something, you know, blinded or blindsided by someone, you know, you don't get on with them, you find it a bit awkward, it's going to take you longer to settle down and then you won't fully get to the music point that you want to get to. And then on top of that, music itself and writing music is already very a very vulnerable thing. It's very hard to get to a place where you're able to discuss things like heartbreak or, you know, being in love with someone, let alone being with a stranger trying to write that. So I think a a genuine friendship is something that's like necessary. So I like to meet people before I write with them and go for coffee and just have a chat because first meetings and then writing sessions straight after that tend to don't work like. I mean, especially in that kind of environment of a writing session where it's kind of in and out. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going into that fresh and that's the first time you've met them, mm-hmm. I imagine it can be quite an intense experience trying to yeah, achieve something from it. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a, not socially awkward. I wouldn't say so. Maybe I might be a bit socially awkward. I'm not sure. But I've, I get very like, I over talk and I talk really fast when I'm nervous. So like if I meet you for the first time, I'd be like, blah, 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 and they'd be like, whoa, hold on a second. Give me a second to breathe. So uh, it's nice to kind of get the, the nervous jitters out before. I sit in and do business stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying that, you know, it's about having a personality and you can click with people mm-hmm. and you feel like you can match up. 
how long does it typically take you to tell that? When will you know if you're going to have that kind of click with someone you're going to be able to work with them in that space? Right. I think right away. I think you can you can get a person's sense of personality very quickly. Um, and I would say I'm a good people reader as well. So I'm, I, I'm very quick to the mark whether I'm going to like you or not. <laughs> <laughs> Although I haven't not liked someone I have written with so far. So we're safe. Do you find you tend to collaborate with the same people or will you kind of be working with different people all the time? I think I'd love to branch out. I have a, a core hub of people that I work with. Um, I have two producers and we do basically all the stuff together. Um, I do most, if not all of the writing um, and they do the, produ- the production and then I do vocal production. So I like do that, chop that, put that there. <laughs> um, so I tend to, to work with them quite often and then occasionally I work with I have two songwriters in London that I work with and um, the the one that I wrote, work with more is Mikey Gormley and he's amazing so um yeah I work with him quite often but I'd love to branch out I'd love to try and get into the scene over here and because there's some really really good bands over here really good songwriters so I'm excited to see that I guess about well, the people that you're working with in London do they tend to be more kind of pop songwriters um not really like Mo- Mikey works with Flirt do you know Flurist? Yeah, 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 she like I don't know if she won the X Factor. She, she definitely was on was it. On it yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got to play that sex. That's that song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had a hand in that. Like so, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a he's a good dude, good skin. He works with a lot of uh, up and coming pop singers. He does a lot of um, acousticy stuff though. Um, so obviously coming into acoustic from electro pop is quite different, but it seems to work. <laughs> it's interesting as well that you're saying you know you've got that core hub of people that you mm-hmm. tend to work with quite a lot because you used to be in a collective right mm-hmm. whoa what? you did research <laughs> <laughs> what was the i mean how long ago was that a few oh, years back yeah that was probably like 2018 i think um i was a part of a collective called good buzz um and it was really just all of us were too afraid to do music by ourselves <laughs> So we would travel in a pack and do gigs together. And it was so fun. We did some really, really cool gigs. Um, I did, we all helped each other out. So I would do back and singing for Sean, who was Y-Axis. And then he would do production for me. So we kind of, we all helped each other out. It was like a, a little, um, a team for sure. So was that, when you were saying, you know, you would go and perform together, are you performing as a group on stage? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would do, we t- so we'd write songs and then we'd, we'd go through the songs um, that we wrote so you know Sean would do four of his I would do two as two of mine do you mean it was it was different every time and then sometimes if Sean was the biggest art, biggest artist out of all of us so he had a he has a big platform so if he got booked for a gig we would just support him so we'd do our own set or I would do back and singing for him so it was always it was always a collaborative thing for sure what do you learn about your own songwriting voice through collaborating in a group like that I say it all the time. I learned everything I needed to learn for the next step of becoming an actual solo artist um, off the boys, 100%. Um, Sean had been doing it a long time before me. So getting to to see his style of music, which is like rap um, and how he performed definitely crafted me into the performer that I am. And um, just constantly being around people who were super confident on stage as someone who wasn't and didn't really want to be on stage, just wanted to sing. It was a, it was a, a grown experience for sure. Yeah. I guess when, now that you know, you feel like you're more comfortable on stage though, does that then in turn feed back into the writing process? Does it impact that in any way? Yeah. Um, what is the relationship between those two different parts of being an artist like for you now? Well, I still don't, I don't like doing live stuff. 
Um, not that I don't like it. I I, th- I think it's really, really cool. And when you get a, an audience full of people who are there for you, it's very cool. Doing the support stuff where no one knows you, you know, the festivals where no one knows you is quite difficult at the start. And I'm very lucky in Ireland to have, you know, a very small, small following of people who tend to go to the same gigs no matter where I play. So it's really cool. But um, yeah, I, I'm not very... Not that I'm not confident on stage because I've been on stage my whole life, but I um, I definitely have a switch on and off. I go from being who I am in real life to the performer that I am. Um, so, yeah. Well, I mean, that's interesting too, because you know, you're saying you weren't comfortable on stage, but you were a musical theatre kid as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you comfortable on stage in that domain? For sure, because okay. yeah. musical theatre and pop music is two different things. You can hide behind people and characters that you're in a musical theatre. You're not you. Whether, you know... You're, no matter what musical in you're in, you're never going to play yourself. And there's always too much going on. There's too many people on stage. So if you mess up, you're likely not to see. Um, when you're on stage by yourself and there's only two of my band behind me and me, there's no cover in it. You just have to keep going. So it's a it's a very frightening thing. Um, but yeah, it's fun. I'm loving it. I guess it's the same in the music too, though. Cause I mean, when you're performing someone else's work, that kind of side of the pressure is taken away. Whereas when you're writing your own stuff, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you're very much on show. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's a very like, uh, what's the word? Just like, it's just frightening. It's very frightening to be the center of attention when you don't want to be really. <laughs> like I, I always say a lot of time, I just want to be a singer. I want to release music. I want to just let people listen to it on the radio or Spotify or whatever it is. I never really wanted to get into the live side of it, but it's inevitable. <laughs> you kind of have to. Um, and like this year, I've been super lucky with the gigs that I've been getting recently and coming out of lockdown. I was doing a lot of virtual gigs, a lot of live streams and stuff. Um, so I've been kind of learning to to get into the role of playing live. But it's difficult. It really is. How, how did the live streams kind of play into that? I hated them. <laughs> They're horrible. They're actually so... I, I swore down, I'm, no matter how many pandemics we go into in the future, I'm None. never doing a live stream again. Ever. I don't mind podcasts, don't mind any of that, but like talking to yourself on a screen for 40 minutes, no. Well, that's because there's no... <laughs> I guess when you're performing on stage, you know, you're feeding off the audience. There's like a reciprocal relationship yeah. there. Yeah. Whereas a live stream... There's nothing. Yeah. And you're supposed to be yourself and show your personality, but how are you supposed to, unless you're super good at looking at yourself in the mirror and making yourself laugh, there's no way that you can do a live stream and look good. Like, haven't seen one. (laughs) You mentioned uh, the idea there of, you know, when you're performing, you're you're trying to convey yourself. Mm. How do you see your musical theatre background relating into that? Is it almost a particular version of yourself that you're trying to convey when you're on stage as opposed to this kind of raw unvarnished thing yeah well I think my genre of music is quite um flamboyant it's electro pop so I think you kind of have to turn into this persona and I think being a musical theater for so long and being able to you know switch into roles of characters that were so far from who I am definitely helped um and like I I pull from like my college days of musical theater all the time. Um, I really do feel like I turn into a character on stage, like even though I am myself and I'm singing my own songs that I wrote, I feel like I definitely turn into this like show woman for sure. When you were growing up as well, I heard that you wrote stories mm. and poems. Yeah. I'm intrigued, were those stories and poems, were they about other people or were they already autobiographical at that point? They're a bit of both like I loved writing fiction I loved writing I'd have mad dreams I'm, I'm super vivid dreamer 
Um, so I would just like write them down and then I'd continue them and bring them into school. And I'd be that kid, like, and teacher, can you look at this story I wrote? And they're like, A plus, like, yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those kids. But my mom's a really good writer as well. So um, she would always like encourage me to write or we'd sit at the table like after dinner and we'd write stories together, we'd write poems. Um, any chance to write a song, my mom would be on it. So <laughs> Were you a big reader as well? No. No. Absolutely not. I can't read a book for my life, which is so funny. I, I'm so undiagnosed dyslexic. It's not even a joke. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I can't, I can't sit down and write, read a book. I don't have the attention span. I have ADHD. So I'm very like, but I can sit and I can write a story and I can write a song, which is very contradictory, but what can you do? <laughs> how do you, how do you channel that frenetic energy when you're in the studio? Um, I don't really know. I think the environment that I'm, that I'm in when I'm with the boys in the studio is very homely. It's a, it's kind of similar to this setup, except there's music equipment in it. There's couches, you know, um, it's very chill. So I think the the more familiar with the environment I am, the easier I, I can sit into a, a situation. If I'm in a somewhere where I don't know, if I've been in studios in the past where I've walked in and they're huge, there's like millions and millions of euro worth of equipment in it. And I'm just like, can't concentrate because there's too much going on. That's very difficult for me. But being in my own little studio where I know my people, where I know the vibes and everything and I can control the situation and the environment is a lot easier for me to to sit into it but I do work very quickly I work in like sporadic like forms like I just I'll come out with someone I'll write a chorus and a, a verse and then I'll have to go away and do something and I'll come back to it so all my songs are written and finished very quickly because my attention span's not very good can you sense when one of those frenetic bursts is going to come can you feel it coming um yeah I get a, a, a lot of the time they happen at night time like really late in the morning basically uh, I'll wake up and I'll be like okay right I need to write a song now and then I'll I'll wake up and I'll write in my notes like a full song and then I'll come back to it like six weeks later and form it into a, a piece um if I hear the right music for it. so yeah it's, it's random every time I don't really have a, a set way of writing it's just whenever it comes to me kind of a thing because quite a few of your songs well they started on like garage band iPhone mm-hmm. demo type things right mm-hmm what do those kind of look like? What are you bringing into the studio? What's the actual kind of shape of that demo? Um, I don't so much do that anymore because the boys tend to do the production stuff. But um, the garage band days was a lot of um, sitting on a bus on the way to work. And I my bus is like an hour and a half into town to work and stuff. And it would just be me like pressing keys um, trying to find guitar rhythms and then whispering lyrics into the back of the bus. Um, trying to figure out what the melodies were going to be and then I'd go home and re-record it and send them over. No, they were shite. They were so bad. But a lot of the time we got really good samples out of it and stuff that you hear um, in my songs that you maybe you have to listen very clear, like carefully to hear is like background noise off a bus or um, there's me screaming, yeah! Like in a lot, we put that in every one of my songs because we think it's so funny. Um, but it's like obviously mixed in so you can't really hear it that much, but it's in every song that I do, which is an ongoing joke between us. But uh, it's a lot of a lot of cool samples that we got from my garage band days for sure. What does the sampling process look like now then? As in the, the music process itself, like the creating the music? More the production side, like how are you kind of building those soundscapes if they're not coming from the, the garage band demos that they once were? Yeah, no, not really. Um, we we use Splice now a lot. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Splice is a really cool tool for, for samples. Um, uh, do you know what? Sometimes if I'm out on the street, I'll record things that I hear if I think they sound cool. Um, 
like there was a, I, a couple of weeks ago there was a bird outside my window and it was mental it was like Bleh! it sounded like it was dying and I was like that's hilarious so I recorded it for like two minutes straight it was it's just a two minute voice message of this bird dying and uh, I sent it over and I was like we need to like morph this and the boys are working on it so we'll see what comes out of it like it could be it could be a really cool sample we don't know well then was it the last song as well that was it like a really horrible synth note or something that it, it stemmed from yeah it was yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of that similar thing with what you're saying there about this horrible sound of the bird, yeah. and you're just trying to figure out a way to turn that into something that's going to sound cool. Yeah, yeah. So we were we were um, doing a pr- basically. My manager said to us, "Your song did super well um, over here in Ireland, and it was one of the top songs in the charts." And we had to follow it up basically. So they were putting pressure on us to <laughs> to make a new follow song. Up quickly. Yeah, follow up quickly. So we sat on Zoom both me and Alex were so hungover like really just deadly hungover that we couldn't I had to keep putting my laptop down to like go puke and then come back it was so bad um but don't know why I told you that that's on footage now cool (laughs) sorry Alex but um he pressed this like wobble bass by an accident it was like and we were like oh what was that and then I was like actually let's go back to that and he was like no I'm not pressing that again but he pressed it and I was like no we're gonna we're gonna make that we're gonna a figure thing. out a way to use and it turned to be the whole song so the whole way through the song you'll hear it but it's the bass that everyone's like whoa what is that bass we're like we don't know it was an accidental discovery and it's horrible don't play it by itself <laughs> what is it that's that, that's sparking that in you is it almost like you just hear something and it sounds so different that you're kind of intrigued by it yeah or what is it yeah what is it that's pulling For you sure. toward that horrible appealing sound i think i just like I'm so bored of music like I get really like I get bored of things very quickly like I'm sick of hearing the same things the same drum patterns the same basses in every song that's on the radio and like I'm trying to be a pop artist yeah I'm trying to be in the same genre as the people who are making the same music but I don't really want to fit into that well I mean if you you look at a lot of the pop music that is successful Mm -hmm it's because they're doing something weird and something different Mm -hmm. Billie Eilish now you know there's been a lot of copycats kind of following her Mm -hmm. but at the time she was, was original. Yeah, there was nothing really mm-hmm. like that kicking about. Yeah. But like you get your whole, your Dua Lipas and it's the same. That's more, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But that's very like kind of heavily produced, producer driven yeah, type yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just trying to steer clear of that. So whenever I hear something that I, that I can, you know, hear some potential in, I'll, I'll click to it. Like The two, uh, it was Alex and Adam mm-hmm. that you work with quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Were those the guys that you went and did Breathe with? Yeah. Because that was one that kind of came together a bit differently, right? It came mm-hmm. together quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had been working with Adam. I did berries with Adam and uh, Alex was my guitar player. And we had just met just before COVID kicked in. We did two gigs. So was he your guitar player before he was your producer? Yeah. Okay. Um, and during lockdown, he was like, I'm kind of into producing, but I'm not very good at it. And I was like, well, I kind of want to write. So maybe we should do a writing session. And um, I had written down lyrics of me we had just gone into lockdown and I was panicking about not being able to leave my house and I'm diabetic so there was no chance that I was going to leave the house if my mom was going to allow because I live with my parents <laughs> so my mom was like you need to be in your room 24 hours a day until this pandemic ends and I was freaking out because I'm I need to get outside like I have ADHD I can't be sitting down <laughs> in one place for too long like so I was freaking out so I remember I wrote in my notes I've been locked in my house for four days and counting and that was the first line of the song and I just it was just this whole um like basically diary entry like a lot of my songs tend to be of me just freaking out about this whole pandemic and what it is and what it means and 
and then me finding like some sense of like okay but we'll get through it because there's no way that we can't they can't like something like this can't kill a whole population like we'll get there eventually but it's probably gonna take ages and that's what the song was about kind of turned into like a a cheer up song for people who were struggling through the pandemic so alex kind of hopped onto that very quickly um was that before the lockdowns or anything had come in it was just 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 during it so there was like it started and then we were in lockdown for in dublin for like six weeks and then we were allowed travel within five kilometers so my studio was in five within five kilometers at the time so we literally jumped in it was so weird like we hadn't seen each other in six weeks we were you know really really friendly so it was like it was so weird that we couldn't hug we were all wearing masks in the studio like it was so weird um the mic was being cleaned every two seconds and i was trying to sing in between and everyone was afraid to touch things and it was like so mental so it really like heightened the experience of make and breathe but it came together so quickly because we were all really just fucked off about the situation like do you know what I mean Jen, that's your most immediate song today i think so i would say so that's a good word immediate <laughs> I think you, but you get that it's really interesting how clearly you kind of get the feeling from the environment in which it was forged mm-hmm. like you get that sense of it kind of spilling out if you know what i mean mm-hmm Mm-hmm. yeah it was it's a it was a really natural thing it was it was a genuine uh outburst of feelings i think and i think the music does a really good job of holding it together and making it seem like an experience rather than just a song if you get me how would you describe the headspace that favorite thoughts came from in comparison to breathe um oh <laughs> I mean, Fever Thoughts is about adult activities, as in going out drinking. And I was a very sheltered kid. Um, my mom was quite strict on me and I wasn't, you know, I didn't have my first drink until I was 18, until my 18th birthday and stuff. So I, you know, I'm 23. I'm not very, uh, I'm not a big drinker. I don't go into clubs, but recently, in recent years, I love a club. I love techno I love this and you know the the nightlife and stuff and I feel like Fever Thoughts was a was a product of me being like I'm on it all the time <laughs> I love it <laughs> love the rave so uh so yeah I think that's the headspace were two different two different dynamics I think I was sad scared and like, just confused and in, in uh breathe and then Fever Thoughts I'm so sure where I am and I'm sure where <laughs> what's happening and what I like and what I don't like and I think it it's a it's a growth in my music and my my person, if that makes sense. It's interesting too, you know, you're saying that you, your mom was kind of strict and you're growing up mm-hmm. and you have your first ring until your 18th birthday and everything. Mm-hmm. Is that partially what kind of brought you towards stuff like musical theatre and creativity, do you think? Maybe. I don't know. It's like looking for some sort of rush. Because if you know what I mean, like a <laughs> yeah. lot of people go to like drinking and stuff to kind of get that buzz. And if you can't get it from that creativity... Yeah, it's yeah. quite a good natural way to get that. Never even thought of that. That's brilliant. <laughs> Log that. <laughs> He's a genius. Um, no, like I don't know. I feel I, it could be. Could well have been. I mean, musical theatre was is terrifying. Being on stage is terrifying. So maybe it was it was something to do with that. Um, my family aren't very big drinkers, so it was never really an issue for me to not drink. I didn't really try rebel because. There was no, I didn't really see a side to it. I was, I was not in a popular group in school. I was kind of a bit of a lame kid. So like I didn't have friends that would uh, go out drinking or drinking fields and stuff. Although I knew people that did and I'd be like, is it fun? 
how fun could drinking cans in the rain be? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But, but uh, yeah, I never really had the sense to rebel. So it could be I found it in other ways. That's an interesting perspective for sure. Yeah. I guess it's interesting. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> but I'm just thinking there too, you know, you're saying you didn't rebel growing up and now yeah. you're kind of rebelling with what you're doing with your music. And mm. what we're saying about you wanting to kind of push the envelope and not just be doing the same kind of bass line and the same drum beat as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Again, it's another example of something kind of coming to a head in music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't previously in any other aspect of your life. Could maybe. be just late development, really. Like, you know the way some people get their boobs when they're like 10? It could be just like me kicking in now. Like, I'm oh, this is, I did do this for whatever, 18 years of my life. And now I'm starting to to basically do it backwards. It could it could well be that. We don't know. We'll, we'll see. Quarter life crisis kicking yeah, in. I have to echo off the rails but we'll, we'll see <laughs> <laughs> with uh coming back to fever thoughts as well mm-hmm. it seems to me like with what you're trying to do emotionally in that song although you were saying you know it kind of has that light-hearted side to it, it is also dealing with some deeper and darker mm-hmm. emotions too can you tell when you're being safe with your music and when you're kind of going into those darker places like can you hear that in the music I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um. I think I'm a very transparent person. I think you can get a sense of who I am very clearly from my music and where I'm at me- mentally. Um. And I think Fever Thoughts was created just as I was coming out of a really bad mental space. So I think you can hear the drastic switch in music and the, the drastic sense of style that I was going into. I really, I went from feel it, which is like fairies, angels, balloons, all this stuff to like really heavy, like almost nearly techno type music. And it- It's pulsing. Yeah, I think it just reflects, I think my music genuinely reflects where I am and what I am whenever it comes out. How often do you write? All the time. Every day? Every day, yeah. I always write something every day. Can you tell, like, say, so like what you've been writing over the last week, can you see how that directly relates to what you're doing in your life at the moment? Like, can you see that connection immediately or does it take a bit of time for you to unravel it? Yeah, it depends what my situation is. So obviously I, I, I'm from Dublin um, and I work in Dublin. I work in retail in Dublin. So when I'm at home and I'm in work, it's a lot darker. It's like, oh, fuck my life, uh, like proper emo stuff. <laughs> and then when I'm here, I'm just on a good buzz all the time because I'm with my girlfriend. I'm like, don't get to, I get to see her every two weeks. So when I see her, it's a, it's a great time. Um, I love Glasgow. I love all my new friends that I'm making here. I get to do cool interviews and music and stuff. So it's de- definitely a lot happier than when I go home next week, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) How long does that buzz last for though? Can it kind of carry into the following week a little bit? I don't know. I, I, do you know what? It's different every time I'm doing long, we're doing long distance at the moment in my relationship and it's quite difficult. So for like a couple days after this now, I'll be on a downer. I'll be like, this is shite. I want to go back to Glasgow. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it depends. We're having a super good week at the moment. So hopefully it, it continues. I'm not a depressed bundle when I go home. <laughs> go back to my 12 hour day job, like Jesus, can't cope. Do you find it easier to write when you're in a good place or when you're in a dark place though? When I'm in a dark place, for sure. For sure. It's easier. People are familiar with pain. People are familiar with um, sad and depression. And it's easier to lean into because there's more ways to, to word it. It's very hard to word when you're in love that hasn't been done already. It's very hard to word when you're happy and stuff. So there's so many descriptive words to 
to you know fill the description of sad and not good not mentally good doing happy and all that stuff is actually quite hard to write (laughs) there's only so much happiness you can spread without sounding like every other song ever like so it's not that you feel less creative it's just that it's harder to kind of find an original way to say it coming back to again what we were saying about like the bass lines and stuff and trying to find something that feels fresh Uh yeah i think it's i think it's just quite it's just a, it's a diff maybe it's because I've always written sad songs I grew up listening to really sad songs all the time and like heartbreak songs and stuff so maybe it's just what I'm familiar with but uh right what you know yeah pretty much yeah do you think there are any sides to yourself that you haven't explored in your music yet that aren't present in what you've released so far yeah for sure like I used to sing country music <laughs> I used to sing country music when I was like a teen with an acoustic guitar and I was doing musical theater and I was training to be a soprano on top of that. So I have all of these different music styles that I've just never tapped into that I definitely think I will try incorporate at some point, but it's just, how do you be a soprano and a pop singer? It's <laughs> an interesting idea. Yeah, right? We'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe I'll sample myself. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel easier when you're kind of going into more traditional pop styles of vocal after you've kind of been trained in soprano? Or is that a completely different kettle of fish? Mm, it's a, it's. I think it's a whole. It's a whole different thing. It was. It's actually really difficult to swap in between them, because um, when I was training in college, it was very intense. I would train like three, four times a week vocally, um, and my voice was the strongest it was ever. I was. I was super, super strong vocally, um, and then obviously I stopped. I finished college and stopped training. When you say training four times a week, what does it actually look like? What does it look like when you're training your voice? Just vocal lessons. So I'd go into a room for, for two hours, two and a half hours a day. Um, and I would do scales, chords, um, you do mad stuff. Like you'd be, you'd lie on the floor and scream or like do Like it's crazy. The stuff that you would do, you'd have to walk around in circles going, <laughs> or like singing like under your breath or, you know, it was just crazy. Like, mad stuff but uh that was that was my life for what four years um and in between that we do dance lessons and we do acting lessons and so it was very intense like you weren't allowed drink you weren't allowed well you weren't allowed drink you're in college (laughs) you weren't allowed drink um (laughs) uh yeah so it was was very strict like i it was it was a, a whole thing they're basically training you for the industry they're training you for london which is the goal did you know when you were going through all that training that you already, you wanted to move away from musical theatre and towards <laughs> pop? Yeah, well, not pop. I think like I was- something else. Yeah, I just, I was, oh, do you know what? I had the, the greatest first two years and then started getting into like the nightlife stuff really heavy. And was just like, this isn't me anymore. I can't drink. I was coming in hungover and they like, Aha! I married this out, married my dirty laundry out. They pulled me in front of the board of like musical theater heads and were like, we were, they were like, we don't think you have it in you. <laughs> oh. We don't think you have it in you anymore. Like, um, you're not taking this seriously. And I was like, fair. I did just throw up four times today <laughs> from the amount of alcohol that I can see. I'm making myself sound like I'm an alcoholic. I don't even drink that much. Like, um, Did you finish the course? Oh yeah, I graduated. Yeah. With okay. flying colors and proved wow. them wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, would love to see my lecture. Is that one of my gig now, to be fair? That'd be very funny, <laughs> very funny. See you, you told me I was shite. Do you think that <laughs> encounter that you had with them was what pushed you to then kind of go on and, and finish the course with fine colours? Was that a fuck you, I'm going to you know push forward? No, I think and- I was just good at it. 
Okay. I just think I I honestly think I was just like I did it since I was I think I was I set foot on stage doing musical theatre when I was six it's all I've ever done all I ever knew and I knew I was good at it do you know what I mean it was the only place where I felt comfortable so like I was going to do well no matter what they said I mean in your music now how do you how do you balance that kind of theatricality that's aesthetically pleasing with music that is kind of authentic and honest is that always an easy balance to strike or how do you kind of measure that? I don't really know. It's, it's, um, it might be just actually ingrained in me to find the balance. I don't think it's something that it's, it's easy to find. I think you either have it or you don't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it like when you write something that feels original, like what we were saying about, you know, writing about sad stuff, it's easier to be original. Mm-hmm. Is it the same thing that it's quite an organic thing and it just happens and you can't really control it? Yeah. Like, I feel like you can learn to write music, you can learn to sing, you can learn to do all these things and you can be good at them. But I feel like you can, you're, it's either in you or it's not. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think it's the same with like the inner dialogue of tr- being trained from musical theatre to being a performer that sings pop music. I think there's just a natural progression between both. And you once you, it's hard to find. Like I struggled for ages. I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know what music I wanted to do. I think when you sit into it and you start finding yourself in your lane that you go into, it's, you just go. It's just like set off, but it took me ages. When did you realize you had it in you then? Honestly? Yeah. Um, like probably last year. When, That's when, the single did well. When Feel It did well. I think that was the first time I was like, geez, I actually can do this. Did you need that kind of validation from an external point of view to kind of solidify the faith that you had in yourself? Yeah, I think that's my one toxic trait. I think I need validation off other people to... It's not necessarily a bad thing though. Is in it? small doses. I think because yeah. you can get, I've seen people that don't need validation and they think they're the best thing since, you know, because yeah. the ego just shoots off without that need yeah. for someone else to kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. stay on the path. If you know like I mean. X Factor type B. Do you remember those people that would go on thinking they're <laughs> dogs bollocks and then be shy? <laughs> <laughs> but really bad yeah, like the really ones bad. that would go on it would be horrific oh, i missed that tv that was fun bring that back like that was good crack is x factor still on no surely not is it i don't know i have a feeling it is but time to it. let it die like yeah time to as long let it as it's making money though <laughs> i know i auditioned for x factor <laughs> what did you actually <laughs> yeah when i was 16 and it was literally like a slave camp it was terrible so bad. How many people are auditioning for that? Like was hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, it was in Dublin. Yeah. It was in um, the Tree Arena. So it's like the biggest uh, venue in Dublin, pretty much. In Ireland, I think it is. Um, I think that's a major operation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In and out, you get like 30 seconds to shine. And then you get to the next level. You get 30 seconds to shine. You get to the next level. You get, you put, you get put in a room full of big ass cameras. And they're like, dance, sing. <laughs> What's your, and then you get put at a table and they were like, what's your sob story? And I was like, oh, Eilish was like, I'm diabetic. <laughs> and they were like, okay, <laughs> right, she's diabetic, put that down. So it was really bad. And they made it all the way to the last round and they booted me out. And I was raging. My diabetic story wasn't enough. I needed something gritty. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome to get to where you are today? Myself. My, like my genuine um, 
I feel like I want to say hatred, but it's not hatred. It's so intense. That sounds so emo. But like genuine, like I just don't think I'm good enough to do it. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like once, if if you're like, people can tell you you're good, you can get to bigger places. But if you don't believe it yourself, I think that's, you're already lost. And that's what most people lack. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, I think. And again, like what we're saying, you can't fake that. No. It's not something you can choose to have. It's something yeah. you just kind of need to. But it's just something that if you work hard, you know, we we're talking earlier on about like you doing vocal training. Yeah. Four days a week for mm-hmm. years. Is it something that through that hard work you eventually gain? Like, although you can't consciously have it, if you start to put those hours in, mm-hmm. is it something that just you think comes naturally after that? I think I think it's something that you have to actively decide that you want to do. You have to decide whether you have to decide that you want to believe that you can do it, and then once you you know start trying it gets a bit easier. Like, I, I wouldn't say I'm fully there. I have doubts about myself every day. Every day I li- ask my girlfriend every day, I'm like, I don't think I want to do music anymore. And she's like, fuck off. off. You're, you're still doing music. Um, I'm like, I'm just going to pack up my shit and move to Glasgow. And she's like, no, you're not. Like, um, So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing battle. I think it's, it's all to do with self-esteem and, and what you feel like you can put in the world and if it's good enough. Because realistically, there's a there's a part of your brain that knows that there's billions of people that are doing the same thing that you are and what makes you different enough to succeed. Do you know what I mean? Luck and Luck. drive. Right. Right. And it's very hard to believe that like you have that package as well as that look. So it can be very like it's a it's a it's a very uh wobbly subject. I think that's why a lot of creative people struggle mentally and struggle with like also, I think it comes back to too, what we're saying about the high that you get from being on stage yeah. and then going back to, like for most people, everyday life, if that's all you know, you get mm-hmm. used to it, you acclimatize to it and it's fine. Mm-hmm. If you're going up on stage playing fucking hydro or whatever, and then mm-hmm. you go back to working in a coffee shop, mm. that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like, that's, I think people are now very aware of that. Like there's so much, there's so much more like there's in Ireland, there's a thing called Creative Minds and it's uh, basically like anonymous uh what's the word I'm th- I was gonna say psychotherapy but that's not the word psychology uh therapist like therapists yeah, yeah, yeah right yeah that's the word um therapists like you can go online and you can chat to them you can have like I think it's like nine sessions for free which is amazing because like cre- you have to mind yourself if you're creative because a lot of the time they do struggle but um I would say it's probably the, it's probably the same for a lot of people who are doing music a lot of people who are doing acting or whatever creative things um it's their it's themselves that stop them a lot of the time. Do you know what I mean? Thanks very much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> that was sweet, thank you. Thanks. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.